0: Chapter Seventeen of A Vanished Hand. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. A Vanished Hand by Sarah Dowdney. Chapter Seventeen The Picnic. The Chatterers chatter here and there they chatter of they know not what owen meredith the cool brown holland looking thing was donned in obedience to mrs leonard's decree mrs verdon had written to her milliner to send her down something new for the occasion in the shape of headgear but elsie had spent an hour in her room on the day before the picnic and had re-trimmed a black chip hat with black lace "'and soft knots of scarlet ribbon. "'I'm not a rich woman,' she said to the rector's wife, "'and if I were, I should still like to use the gifts that have been given me. "'I think we should not let any gift get rusty for lack of use.' "'You would have made an excellent wife for a poor man,' my dear, Mrs. Leonard remarked. "'I shall never be any man's wife,' said Elsie. "'I mean to be a little sister of the poor.' and especially devote myself to children that is my vocation i see it plainly indeed mrs leonard leaned back in her chair with a satisfied little smile as she surveyed her favourite i don't think i would adopt that kind of dress just yet if i were you black lace and a touch of scarlet are very becoming the day of the picnic was as balmy and blue as those that had gone before The dew was still hanging on the clustered white roses, which climbed to her latticed casement when Elsie looked out. The sweet, wet blossoms touched her face as she leaned forward into the pure morning air. Her window overlooked that side of the garden nearest to the lane, and someone, strolling between the leafy hedges, looked up and saw a vision of a bright yet delicate face framed in a quantity of thick, dark, rumpled hair. He stood still, well hidden by the screen of leaves, and gazed upward in silent delight. The pretty picture only lasted half a minute. She vanished, and he, finding that the casement remained a blank, went back over a gate and across dew-wet fields to his solitary breakfast. The picnic was exactly like other picnics, a space of level turf under the shade of some fine beeches had been chosen as the banqueting place. It was quite an aristocratic gathering. Most of the important people of the country were there. There were white and rose-colour, violet and primrose, showing out amongst other indescribable tints. Frilled parasols were unfurled like great flowers. The place was filled with dainty fabrics and soft hues, and laughter and ceaseless movement. All this flutter and commotion made Elsie feel intensely quiet. Somehow, although she was by no means unnoticed, she could not enter into the spirit of the hour. Jamie did not care about the ladies and their pretty dresses, but he appreciated the good things to eat. Mrs. Verdon had said that he was too young to be of the party, but had ended by bringing him. Home was only a little way off. A nurse was among the other servants meanwhile the boy had stationed himself by elsie's side and she was keeping a careful watch over his plate arnold saw them sitting together on the edge of the crowd and longed to join them but the party had assembled in his field and he had a host's duty to perform his father's friends came round him glad to see that he had returned to the court Elderly men proffered advice about this matter and that, taking it for granted that he would be a wanderer no more. Matrons regarded him with motherly eyes, and Elsie silently thought that he looked like a prince upon his own borders, bidding them all welcome. Lily Danforth, with two girlfriends from the other side of the county, was sitting near her. The men moved about helping everybody— supplying their own needs in a rambling fashion it was altogether a gay informal kind of affair i suppose it must be true one of the girls said it was henry who told us the news he said that her horses bolted and mr wayne stopped them and then it turned out that they had heard of each other for years such a story can have but one ending i think the ending is pretty certain "'Lily answered with gay confidence. "'In fact, he has confessed as much to my father. "'We are all delighted. "'She is charming, and we were afraid he would settle down as a confirmed bachelor, "'or not settle at all.' "'She is really pretty, and so distinguished-looking,' the other girl joined in. "'I hope she'll give no end of balls at the court. "'Just look at her now.' involuntarily following the direction of the speaker's glance, Elsie saw Mrs Verdon and Arnold. He was putting something into her plate, and she was gazing up at him with eyes that seemed no longer wanting, in colour and expression. Whether he returned that gaze or not, Elsie, at the moment, could not tell. But, being a woman in love, she jumped to the conclusion that he did. Moreover, "'there were Lily's words to ring in her ears like a chime. "'In fact, he has confessed as much to my father.' "'A sudden heart-sinking made her inexpressibly weary of her surroundings. "'And then she rallied, angry with herself, "'rallied just in time to see Jamie taking a second plateful of cherry tart. "'Not a bit more, little man,' she said resolutely. "'Everybody else has finished. "'You wouldn't like to sit here and eat all alone.' "'I think we had better get up and come away from the dishes.' "'I want to go in the boat,' Mr. Wayne said I might. Jamie really felt that he had had enough, and the boat at this moment was better than the tart. "'Well, dear, we shall go. We'll walk down to the riverside.' There was an island on the river which was, as Arnold had said, a wonderful place for wild flowers. It was a very small islet, overgrown with bush vegetation. Willow boughs drooped down into the water. Rushes, sedges, and wild trailing things flourished in uncontrolled luxuriance. Sometimes men and boys landed on it when they went fishing in a leaky old boat, or pulled round it to get water-lilies. But it was rumoured that Mr. Wayne would make improvements there. Already, instead of the old boat, there was a new one, dark green with a stripe of white, moored against the landing stage at the end of the meadow, and old Giles, who had worked on the Wayne estate for years, was waiting to take anybody for a row. Miss Kilner and Jamie were the first to come to the riverside. The other people were still lingering over the remains of the feast, making plans, proposing excursions, or chatting about nothing jamie had already made the old man's acquaintance and hailed him as a friend now carefully young master sit steady said giles as he put his passengers in the stern the water under the banks was dark with shadows but they floated out of the shade into a strange stillness and glory the voices and laughter in the meadow grew fainter and fainter they were going away from the turmoil into a world of peace. Jamie sat still, resting one dimpled hand on Elsie's knee, enjoying it all in silence. It was a calm, full river, running still and smooth, even out in the middle current. But the sun shone down, and the oars struck out diamonds. Giles pulled close to the island, where there was a landing-place, rotten and green with slippery water-weeds, Jamie asked to land and search for the eggs of waterfowl, but Elsie reminded him that other people would be wanting the boat. As they rowed back again, Giles described the habits of the birds which frequented this reedy spot. Jamie listened open-eyed to his accounts of the moorhen, flapper, coot, water-rail, dab-chick, and sandpiper, to say nothing of rats in abundance and an otter now and then. If you crept upon the islet very quietly, you could hear the rats before you saw them. Carefully listening to the sounds, you frequently discovered the rat himself, generally on the stump of some old tree, or on the bare part of the bank, overhanging the water. There he would be, sitting upon his hind legs, holding in his forefeet the root of a bulrush and champing away with his sharp teeth, so as to be heard at a considerable distance. "'They be a bad lot, the rats, a bad, destructive lot,' said the old man solemnly. "'I wonder why such vermin was made. You'd never believe the number of fish and young wild ducks, and game of different sorts, which are eaten up every season by them slippery rascals.'" End of Chapter 17